1 Corinthians 5. Return with me to 1 Corinthians 5, and we'll read this chapter together. Now, um, the Bible doesn't uh, pull any punches, does it? It says things as, as it is. And to encourage us, the Bible um, quite openly deals with all of the sins and troubles that might come up in our lives. And in 1 Corinthians 5, it mentions something particularly grisly, um, something that you might want to cover children's ears for. Because it takes our lives seriously. This is to show us that uh, there is no sin that can rise up in our hearts that the Lord is not quite prepared to deal with. 1 Corinthians 5 then. We'll read this chapter. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from you. For indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, I have already judged, as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore... Let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or with extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Amen. May God bless that reading to us. Should we just pray quickly before we come to God's word? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the pardon for sin and the peace that endures all the days of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to your people down the millennia that you have always given us our daily bread. We thank you, Lord, for the strength for today. And ask that we might know it now in this time, that we would be given strength in ourselves to pay attention and to be serious about the word of God to which we come. And we ask you, Lord, that through your word we would know bright hope for tomorrow and all the days of our lives, that we would be assured, Lord, of your great love towards your people. Amen. If you turn with me in your Bibles then um, to Exodus and chapter 12. Because in Exodus and chapter 12, we have what uh, we could only call, I suppose, the anniversary service 
for the people of God. It's nice to have anniversary services, isn't it? Today's your 129th birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. What does the Bible have to say about anniversary services? How did our fathers in the faith do anniversary services? Because they did, you know, and they've been keeping it up for an awfully long time. So let's read Exodus 12. I'll read the first... I'll read the verse 28 verses, right? So you'll have to bear with me a little. Exodus 12, verses 1 to 28. The anniversary service of our fathers in the face. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month... Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall net you shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever has leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which every one must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month... On the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month, at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. 
Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the house and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give to you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So there you have the feast of Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. These two feasts that come side by side, right at the beginning of the year for our fathers in the faith. And they observed it every year, like an anniversary service. Every year they remember when the Lord started... um, Start, uh, uh, saved them from Egypt and brought them into the promised land at the beginning of that journey. So first of all, let's look at Passover. Then let's look at the unleavened bread and see what that has to say to us um, on this anniversary Sunday. First of all, Passover. What happens is they dress up like they're about to leave. Did you notice that? Uh, where, where was it? Uh, should... Put your belt on and there you are, verse 11. You shall eat it like this. Put a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You'll eat it in haste. So you dress up as if you're about to leave. Then you roast the lamb and you eat the whole thing in a rush. You're not allowed to take your time and enjoy it. You've got to down it. You've got to eat it really fast. And then for seven days, a whole week, any bread that you eat must be flat, unleavened. No, no yeast in it, not risen. So flat breads. What's all that about? What is that all about? It's not meaningless. We get that from the end of the little bit we just read in the last little bit where they were expected to be able to explain this to their children. So what does it mean? They're focusing on something. It all means something and that's what's in their mind. What does it mean? That's our question this evening. What's happening is they, they, uh, when they observe this year after year in their anniversary services, they are they are not just remembering, but reliving the events that we've just read in Exodus 12. They relive that night when a lamb was sacrificed to save them and to keep them safe. Every single person who took shelter under that blood uh, were kept safe and rescued from the destroyer that the Lord would send into Egypt. They would quickly leave behind the old life, the old life for the new life. Leave behind the old home for a new home. Does that remind you of anything? Hmm. Sacrificial lamb of God. Turning my back on an old life. Walking into a new life. It so clearly points us to the Lord Jesus' sacrificial death for us on the cross. 
where we turned our back on the old life for a new life, is so clearly reminiscent, or rather anticipatory, of what the Lord Jesus would do for us in giving his own life for us, covering us with his blood, that we might be rescued from the wrath of God and given a new life. That, in 1 Corinthians 5, that we read a moment ago, Paul calls Jesus our Passover lamb. And uh, the church has always taken this very seriously, you know. Um, there was a man called Justin Martyr who lived um, a generation after the apostles, very, very early uh, in church history. And uh, he talks about um, the events of Exodus 12. And he says, uh, you know how you roast a lamb, he said? You get a stick that goes right through the lamb, and then you get another stick that goes across to separate its legs. Well, there you go, he said. You've got a cross. <laughs> they take it really seriously. But here we have an anticipation, a foreshadowing of the cross of Christ where the Lamb of God would be roasted in the wrath of God for us. In that the Lamb was a sacrificial death on their behalf to save them from death, this is a dress rehearsal for the sacrifice of the Son of God. And that's why the little lamb couldn't be any lamb. had to be, in verse 5, a male lamb. Because here is the Son of God. It had to be perfect, spotless, because Jesus Christ himself was sinless. It had to be eaten, in verse 10, just as we take the Lord's Supper and take Jesus Christ by faith. The lamb had to be completely consumed, nothing left over, because Jesus Christ was an acceptable sacrifice on our behalf. In verse 7, the blood had to cover the people. It put over their houses every person under the blood, just as the Holy Spirit must apply to us the death of Christ, that we would be saved. So just like we do at communion tables, they are remembering the coming Christ, whose blood covers them and keeps them safe. Again and again and again, year after year after year, they have their anniversary services. Maybe they had their 129th, like we are, this evening, and they focus again on Christ, Christ crucified for them. It is the heart of their faith, it is the start of their faith in many ways, and so they focus on it every year. Hot on the heels of the Feast of Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They're so closely related that they sort of smush into each other in Exodus 12, don't they? This is what uh, Moses is talking about when he's talking about being in a hurry and uh, eating the flat bread. What he's getting at is uh, how quickly they had to leave the land of Egypt. The idea is that you put your bread in the oven, but you've got to go. The Lord's rescuing you right now, so you've got to go. So before the bread even has time to rise, you've got to get it out the oven and get, get going. The anniversary service on one hand was about the sacrifice which saves them, and on the other hand, it was about leaving. It was about turning your back on the old life and pressing on into the new life which that sacrifice has given you. The first Passover and unleavened bread was eaten sharpish because they had to immediately run off from Egypt to the promised land where Christ himself would lead them. They were so quick to get going that their bread didn't have time to rise, leaving behind the old life of slavery and suffering for a new life of following Christ all the way to their new home. 
When we think of Passover, we tend to think, oh yeah, that night of Exodus 12, with the lamb being sacrificed and so forth. But that's not what they thought of. Do you know that? When you said Passover to them, what they thought, instead of the night of Exodus 12 or the the lamb or whatever, they think, oh, the night we left Egypt. You get that in Deuteronomy 16 and in uh, Numbers 33 as well. When they talk about Passover, they think not of the sacrifice of the lamb. They think of, oh, the night we got out of here, the night we left behind the old life for a new life, the night that we left behind the old, the old way of living for a new way of living, following Jesus to our promised land, following all the way home. And so as the years ticked on, every single year they had their annual anniversary service where they were reminded, encouraged, and even reenacted their, their exodus, their leaving behind an old life and pressing into a new life that the sacrifice of the Lamb of God had given them. They're focusing, aren't they? Every year, focusing. Are you focusing? Anniversary service, just like the, faith, the fathers in the faith have always done. Are you focusing now? Christ crucified for us and the new life that he's given us. Are we focusing? They, just like we, could say every year, because of the sacrificial lamb of God, I have been spared judgment and set free for a new life of following him to the new home that he has given me. So let's turn and try and apply this particularly to us then. Because in the Feast of Passover and Unleavened Bread, we have a sort of summary of the whole Christian life, don't we? In just one movement. And that's why it's so worthy, these two feasts that come together, it's so worthy of our focus and our recalibration to consider again, because a whole year has passed, consider again Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the cross of Christ, the new life that he's given us. The Christian life begins with God the Father providing for us his own Son as the Lamb of God to take away our sins. That's where it starts. He provides Jesus Christ for us. The Lord is crucified, bearing our sin. The Holy Spirit comes and applies his death to us so that it is our death that he dies and that it's his life that we get to live. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit do this for us and to us. Our part, the Bible says, is to set our clocks by it. Exodus 12, verse 2, this month will be the first of your months, the first month of the year for you. This is where you set your clocks. This is where life begins anew for you when you see the cross of Christ and turn your back on the old life and start living a new life. You need to reorient your lives, the Bible says, around Christ crucified for us. You need to turn your back again and again and again on the old life that we used to live. And live a new life following him. And that means, my friends, saying no to sin. It means saying yes to good works, to righteousness, to holiness. You know, Martin Luther famously said, didn't he, that repentance is not a one-off act that you did once upon a time when you became a Christian. He said that repentance is the entire life of a Christian. 
And so it's quite appropriate that every single year in our anniversaries, we refresh it. Well, forget every year, every day. We say, don't we, we pray, forgive us our trespasses. And your will be done. Turning our back on the old, the old life of sin and self, forgive us of that. And pressing on into a new life, your will be done for me instead of my own. I'll ask you this question, right? It's rhetorical. I just want you to think about this for yourselves. Is this something that you need to work on? Have you drifted into the habit of the Christian faith? Do you need to focus again? Because our fathers in the faith had to do this every year. They didn't just remember it every now and then sort of thing. It wasn't a one-off that they might whimsically remember every now and then, but... Every year, they really had to take it seriously and think and focus. Do you need to focus again? Is my life marked by obedience? Am I turning away from the old life where I was at the center and I did the will of evil? Am I pressing hard after the Lord Jesus? Am I following him? He's leading me home. Have I got my eyes on him? Is my life marked by Devotion to the Lord who loved me and gave himself for me. Because anniversaries in the Bible have always meant rededication to the Lord Jesus. It always means a reconfession that our Father has provided for us the sacrifice that takes away our sins and gives us a new life. Anniversaries in the Bible have always meant a renewed resolve to put to death the sin that is in our lives and to live a new life of obedience to Christ, following him closely all the way home. Now our fathers in the faith, these, these uh, people here in Exodus 12, they are infamous, aren't they, for forgetting this. Maybe they should have done Passover every six months instead of every year. What do you think? They forgot. Always looking back to Egypt. Always turning back from that which they had been turned from. Looking back to Egypt instead of following Christ to the promised land. Are you like that? Oh, I can be like that. The Lord has died for me. He's washed my sin away. I'm under his blood. He's turned me around so that I no longer do that. I no longer think like that. I no longer treat other people like that. I live like this now. I think like this. I behave like this. I follow Christ all the way home. The home that he's made for me. Do you forget? Anniversaries come round and round and round every time. They've come round 129 times. I don't know if any of you have been here for all 129. Doubt it. But 129 times now for Bethel has come around again to refocus us on Jesus Christ crucified for us that our sins might be washed away and he gives us his Holy Spirit through whose power we can live a new life. 129 times now you've been re reminded of this. Focus, the Bible says, focus. Now I'm finishing with this, right? It's a short one this evening. In 1 Corinthians 5 that we did our reading uh, we took for our reading. Paul is writing to the church there in Corinth, obviously many, many, many years after the events of Exodus 12. 
and he is addressing a problem there. They've got a problem of gross sin. A man has his father's wife. And what he does in dealing with this seriously grisly pastoral problem, I don't think you or I would like to have dealt with that. He's writing to them to deal with it. And he says, I want to take you to Exodus 12. It's quite interesting that he's obviously writing to this church in Corinth, overwhelmingly, maybe entirely Gentiles there. And he says, I want you to come to Exodus 12 because this has something to do with you. Because as believers, we're grafted into this. This is our history. These are our fathers. He says, go to Exodus 12. And Paul says, look at what you've done, the life you've lived. He says, look at Exodus 12. You have left that old life behind. Don't you remember? Christ has died to cover our sins. And you've turned your back on that life. And you're supposed to be living a new life. And he applies Exodus 12 to them like that. And that's how it should be applied to us as well. Paul says to them about the sins in which they're living, leave it behind again. Because Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us, he says. Now Bethel has stumbled and uh, made its way through 129 years, growing in grace, fighting sin, by the Holy Spirit, turning its back on sin, pressing after Christ. And uh, as time goes on, we forget and we remember, we forget, we remember. Once again, all right, once again, let us make like these Christians of old and reorient ourselves around Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. Let's consider him and think of him Put our clocks by him and put him again at the center. Let's remember him as the heart and the start of our faith. He is at the beginning and the center, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Let us receive fresh grace from him, the forgiveness of our sins again. Let us again put first things first. That's what the Bible says about anniversary services. To remember Jesus Christ, crucified for sinners, risen from the dead. Look at him again and confess again, yes, here is the beginning of my new life, which I can live in the Holy Spirit. Don't get distracted. 129 years, it's done us perfectly well. Let's repent again. Let's believe again. Let us give ourselves again to good works that are done in the Spirit. Let us run the race with the Christians who have done now for an awfully long time, let's run the race of life with our eyes freshly fixed on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. May God bless that to you. All right, on your 129th birthday, remember Exodus 12, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. First things first, focus on Jesus Christ, crucified for sinners so we might live a new life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your faithfulness to us as a church over the last 129 years here in Gesinan. We ask you, Lord, for grace that we might be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you have given to us to be our good shepherd. We bless you for him and his love, which drove him even to the cross where he bore all of our sins in his body on the tree. We pray, Lord, that you should give us to a renewed focus and a renewed devotion to him, that he would be first and foremost in our lives. We pray, Lord, that we might be given to remember 
and to relive and reenact, as it were, the deliverance that we have known through being under his blood. Thank you, Lord, that you have spared us the wrath of God. We pray, Lord, that you should give us each and together the Holy Spirit, by whose power we may repent of the old way of living and press on into a new life that Christ has given to us. Lord, you have been faithful to us. Please help us to be faithful to you. We ask this, Lord, for your glory's sake and for our good. Amen.